We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2022 PGA Tour Preview. We're going to look at the majors. We're going to talk about the players and even a little bit about how we did with our bets during 2021 to go this all through. This is one of people's favorite shows of the year as we get everything ready for the next season. Jeff and I will be back with the betting show starting with the Tournament of Champions that Monday. The DraftKings show will come out every Tuesday as it will for the entirety of the PGA season. Plus, once football is over, then we're going to be having the live chats and preview shows on Sundays. Once again, golf season is ramping up and no better way to get involved in golf season for 2022 than play in our giant one-and-done tournament. The race for the Mayo Cup, $500,000 of guaranteed money is in the prize pool. If you're unfamiliar with one-and-done, it means you take one golfer per week, you get their earnings. Once you use them one, you can never use them again. FantasyGolfChampionships.com. You can find everything down in the description of this video or podcast, but FantasyGolfChampionships.com is where you can find that. Now, I do have some free entries for you good people out there. If you rate and review the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast, five stars on Apple Podcasts, say something nice leave your twitter handle or email address you're in the draw for one of a few free 125 dollar entries it's a five max so we'll be giving those out on the tournament of champion show so do that as soon as you can to get yourself into the draw if you missed our golf draft with myself and 10 of my closest friends in the fantasy golf community shame on you you can subscribe to mayo mini media network and go check out part one and two of those as we go through and you can see how people do in a season-long snake draft drafting golfers uh it was a lot of fun jeff feinberg was on that show with me and of course jeff feinberg is going to be on this show with me we finally shed tim now the golf season is back we mean we shed tim oh yeah well i don't know some people like Tim sees himself as some self-proclaimed major championship expert. So sometimes he likes to join us on these uh, season preview shows, I feel. We, we usually have, he usually has like the knowledge base and history. Like when we talk about... St. Andrews, yeah, he would just yeah, but St. Andrews sticks out in all of our minds. Like when we talk about like Southern Hills, he'll have like vividly remembered the 2007 PGA Championship somehow. <laughs> Yeah, no, he does consider himself like a connoisseur of major championships. And he does have that really weird, like creepy memory where he'll like remember 
like a week seven game from 2009 that involved the Raiders and Washington or something. Well, it's all because he has no concept of time because he'll tell me like that thing that just came out. Like everyone knows that movie. It came out like two years ago. Like Tim, it came out 19 years ago. And he's like, oh, really? Like, so maybe, maybe he just lives in his, he lives in his own time. I mean, time is a, is a construct. So you don't necessarily have to live at the same rate as others, but it's just you and I for this, like it will be during golf season. You excited to lose all our money in the one and done again? Yeah, I don't know. I just, that's a donation. I'm, I really hate my team by the end of middle of March. And sometimes I stop picking. So I'm true donation. Like I am donation to the truest form in one and done. I'll release a one and done strategy show again this year. And I have to like make a note and stick it to my computer. Like, please follow this strategy outside of two weeks to kick off the year. Because when I do that, I do well. And then I completely get away from my strategy. Pat, we'll literally be getting messages in June. Like, oh, thanks for that advice. Like, I'm doing so good in my one and done. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, like people listen to what we said. We didn't, therefore we suck. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Forgotten elite, just don't worry about wasting players. There's so many good players. Players will always develop. When you would have been at the tour championship last year, like I don't know, you wouldn't have known how much you would have liked to still have uh Sam Burns or uh, there's just a hundred examples, but guys just show themselves, like, don't worry about it. Just fire away. Yeah, get, get your money. It, it's always better to have the money than have to chase the money towards the end, as I found out, because I find myself in a chasing position every single year. So go get your entry for that now, fantasygolfchampionships.com. Solely, I say that because it fills up really quickly, and it starts at the Sony Open, not the Tournament of Champions. So we'll have a full week press during Tournament of Champions week to figure that out. You, sir, had a very good 2021 in terms of golf betting. I did not. I went back and looked at it. I hit five outright winners, which is not great. I should be hitting more than that. It's the lowest I've hit in the six or seven years that we've done this show. I had nine guys come in second place, though. That's just it, it, like you're flipping coins at that point. And I've had years where I had no one come in second. And all my guys, like I won every coin flip and won a lot of money. But you can see how starkly things can switch on you uh, when you're in the outright market. And you just keep coming up in the shithole every single week. It sucks. But, well, hopefully those breaks go my way this time around. Uh, yeah, I guess I should have been more prepared and counted, but I was quite pleased. I felt like I did quite well last year, and most of my stuff is all documented over at Odds Checker. Um, just trying to remember, my favorite win, though, Pat, had to have been the Fino at the Northern Trust. Fino at the Northern Trust and Vic by a field goal very late. Yeah, those, those would have been my favorite. Th those are your two. So I actually got myself into a decent situation. I hedged out of Finau uh, at the Northern Trust because it was the only time I bet Tony all year and he won. So I feel good about that. But I hedged out on it was Cameron Smith, I believe, uh, when they went to the playoffs. So I got half the payout as everyone else. Actually, slightly more because Cameron Smith was plus money in that playoff as a slight underdog. So I cashed out in that situation. However, I was big on Bryson the next week and hedged out in the playoff against Cantlay. So it all worked out to be one win for me. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, I'll say this. People are watching this show right now probably spend the year with us and we're, we're like about to get into it. It is a swamp. Sometimes it is impossible 
to see the forest through the trees and making rules for yourself and staying disciplined. I sometimes wish I had the discipline that other people have, um, you know, that I like to bet with. But but it is so important, Pat, like just the simple rule. And it backfired because I didn't follow it. Um, You know, Morikawa over 30 to one, you know, he cashed a bunch of those. And I got off that rule the week before he had that great WGC win. Um, you know, and you could debate the whole open championship because, I don't know, was it the Kyle Porter tweet that changed the world? Like, he doesn't like how his irons are contacting turf in his second ever Lynx golf start. Uh, I guess just chuck it up to the guy being a phenom. But that would have been a rule that would have paid off so well last year that we spoke about, we didn't stick to. Uh, my most important rule, though, for golf betting, friends, I mean it. It's mistakes. Listen, we all learn the hard way. Thankfully, these mistakes are are in the past. But my biggest rule would be take an L. Golf betting is hard. There's no reason to like chase it all week. You got to like we're going to be back here the next week talking about the next tournament, putting money into that one. So it's okay to get your card literally blown off on a Thursday. It's gonna happen. The mistake you can make is chasing chalk on a weekend because golf is stupid. Well, even looking back at the percentages last year of 54 hole leaders, I believe Justin Ray tweeted this out that historically, or at least over the past 10 or 20 years, 54 hole leaders convert at like a 49% clip or something like that. And in 2021, they converted at a 21% clip. Like if you had, the, and I had so many guys leading after three rounds. And of course it was the year that only one in five actually hold on. <laughs> Yeah, I will say, although I ended up winning money at the Open Championship because Mac Hughes came inside the top eight, which was a nice each way for me. And the each way betting kind of saved my ass from losing too much last year. My, I would have been up for the year. I had so much money on Spieth to win the Open Championship. And he was damn close. Yeah, I don't know what to say. Yeah, that was a bet I didn't make. So I wasn't, um, I wasn't cheering for Brooks at the what what was the major? I didn't bet Brooks where he was fifty to one at the major. That bet I would have hated myself had he won. Um, the Brooks one where he was fifty to one and he oh the Phil the one that Phil won crazy. Looking back on it on that note, Pat, I had a nice year, really nice year. Majors, looking back at that, my worst major year ever. I got blown off at the majors. For whatever reason, Hideki didn't float my boat. I was all ob- obsessed how he wasn't tasting smoke. Remember? Like, he hasn't even contended. Like, how's he going to go win a major? Played great. Uh, U.S. Open, kind of knew it was coming, but uh, that was fun. Had a Bryson lead on the back nine. That yeah. was a fun I, afternoon. I, we, I, right? I, I think we both had Bryson and Brooks at Torrey Pines, and I felt really good on Sunday. I was like, one of these two guys is going to win, and then... Rom, when we think about like the best shots of the year and stuff like that, Rom's two putts, especially his putt on 17 at the U.S. Open was fucking incredible. Like that was just stones. Yeah, absolutely incredible magic. So I wasn't hitting the chalk. And then, you know, uh, Phil, like not in a million years, not in a million years. I still think (laughs) we're living in some Truman Show simulation that that happened on a golf course of of that length and Morikawa, I was too deep into the trees to see it. 
Like my buddy hit such a massive bet on Morikawa, but as I almost said, it's like if you listen to any golf content this week, you probably don't make that bet. But you just looked at the odds, said, "Oh, that guy wins." Like you didn't read the Twitter to see that nonsense. What a performance! One of the rules that we should stick to this year, and I think you got both of them, and I didn't, and I think I openly talked about it on the show how I should be betting this, but I'm not going to do it. Was Justin Thomas at the Players and Rory at Quail Hollow once they both broke through 20 at those events? That was just stupid on my part not to bet them. Once they both, what I hit Justin Thomas live at the Players. Yeah, I, that was I'm, a big comeback, wasn't it? Yeah, it was because we did this cut, the cut sweat show and we looked at the three players who were in the best position to kind of make a charge. And it was Reed, Thomas and Spieth because their numbers really added up to, oh, wow, they're just not putting. If they start making some putts, all of a sudden they're completely back in on this. So at after 36, Justin Thomas was 40 to one to come back and win. And he was like eight off the pace or something stupid like that. But even before the event, he dropped down to like 22, 23 to one, same as Rory at quail hollow and just I, I for whatever reason i wasn't there yeah and honestly it's so many events in some ways they all it all just can it sometimes feel like one giant blur when trying to recap it pat but i am so excited for what for what is is coming like i think the game is in in such a a great place and um the draft that we did a couple weeks ago, or I'm not sure when this is going to air. I think the, the draft's already aired. Yes. And um, how do I put this? Is is Victor Hovland going to be the most overvalued golfer on the planet this year? And I love him as much as anybody, but it's it's something's happening there, right? Everyone is all in on how good Hovland is right now. And listen, it's it's a bit of a recency bias because he finishes 2021 with two wins. He wins Mayakoba in, in at a resort course in Mexico against what was a pretty strong field. I'll give him that. Like it was a much stronger field at Mayakoba than we're used to. And then he went and beat 19 other dudes in a glorified exhibition game where he had to chip in for Eagle out of a bunker to really run away with it at the end. But the fact that he's actually closing these, I do think it means something and he's building up that confidence, but you know, eventually we're going to need to see like a real win from Vic. I think before everyone, like people are penciling him in to win a major this year, which I don't necessarily disagree with. He's listen, he's going to be one of the 10 players in the world who you are going to favor to win a major, but He's the seventh ranked player in the world. Yeah, like he should be one of the guys who is a betting favorite with a great shot to win a major. But like, what major have we gotten to where we're talking about Victor Hovland on Sunday? It's like, oh man, Vic can really make a run here and win this. Has that happened to date yet? Uh, Well, remember how well he played at the Masters last year, despite some insane like triple or something on the first? Yeah, but he, he played well, like. He finished. I, and then he. What did he finish? He finished he like 15th or something. He from one of them, or he withdrew because got something he got in, sand his eye. in his eye at the PGA Championship. And then he won in Germany like the next week. Sure, but who is he beating in Germany? That was the one where like no. Paul, even Paul Casey was like, "I'm not playing." <laughs> um. Okay, I get it. I, I get it. I would probably say. I'd ra- I think Xander would win a major this year before Victor would, but I wouldn't be a, like. I think both of them can. So yeah, I guess like there's still guys who haven't won majors. I'd put ahead of them. Maybe just one guy to be perfectly honest though. Sure. But like when we're capping this, like his, his major performance is good, but it's not great. Like he had a good masters despite making like a triple on the very first hole. And 
he made a ton of birdies, but he made a ton of bogeys at the same time. He came 21st at the Masters. It's good. It's not great. He was 12th at the Open Championship, but really had no chance of winning. Like, I'm talking about, and he withdrew from the U.S. Open. He was 30th at the PGA Championship. I'm just trying to, like, go backwards in my mind. Despite these, like, good finishes at majors, it feels like he hasn't ever contended at a major. This was the Patrick Reed thing for a really long time until he really did compete at that PGA championship at Quail Hollow. And then I think he won the masters the next year. Okay. Fair. But I almost think that's an unfair comparison because the hype that, that he has into this year is pretty like the only player who's had this sort of hype who did, who without a major probably would have been Ricky in like 2016 or something. Right. Yeah, but he played well in the majors. But 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 here's the thing: Why is Vic any different than Finau, despite the fact that Finau is like three times the price? I don't disagree with that at all, at all. And I love all these guys. And old me, Pat, starting days of content me, teenage me would have had to pick good guys and bad guys, and had to like some, love some, and just decide to hate others. It's not the point where like all these young guys or all these guys, I love them all. I want to see them all play well. The weeks I bet on them, I want to see them play even better, obviously. But here's the thing with Vic. And it started last year, the comment of it on this show. But I didn't put it into action till later in the season. And that's the Vic by the field goal. And I'm going to go after those. Because I'm not going to be betting Vic at 15-1. to 1. I will not do it. And if Vic is going to win as much as the Vic ceiling truthers say he's going to win this year then I guarantee you I'm going to catch at least one to two field goal victories. So I'm excited to still implement those. But at the current prices, I I don't know if I'm going to be able to be betting um, Vic a ton, which is, which is unfortunate. And I guess that's part of like rules. Like there's players you got to love, you love and you like a lot, but you maybe have to have the discipline to be like, they're going to maybe have to win that really big event without me you know I, I think the perfect example is john rom at the u.s open like we all yeah. agreed that he was the best bet but no one was gonna bet him at eight to one to win a major just wasn't i wasn't gonna be there for it yeah and sometimes you have to listen favorites are gonna win sometimes and when you don't bet favorites in golf which i think is the better strategy to be perfectly honest with you based on the bigger numbers that you can get down the line then you know, it's just not going to work out that way, especially like I, the one thing that I've come to concede because like heritage really wrecked me this year because I had a big piece on Morikawa to win at the RBC heritage and Stuart sink ended up winning, but like they were essentially tied going into the final round. It was like the worst round I've ever seen Morikawa play. I couldn't believe it. And stink sink just played steady the entire time. And Morikawa shot himself out of it. And then sink didn't have to beat anyone else. Cause those two were uh, like clear by the field by so much that at these lesser events, yeah, occasionally a favorite is going to win, but there's so much variance in those sort of weaker fields that are kind of birdie fests that, I think we should just, where did you find like most of the action came in this year? The 20 to 45 range kind of thing? No, I feel like for a bit this year, that range was disappearing and we were either getting like, I feel like there was a run where it was either going to the top or we were getting a run of, um, of um, a lot of long shots. Like long shots were hitting a lot last year from that sink victory to uh, KH Lee Cameron Davis, 
Um, you know, and those were just the ones that I had money on. There, there had to be a handful that I wasn't a part of. Yeah, I mean, man. obviously, Phil at the at the major, uh, but but they were happening all over the place. It felt like last year. Yeah, it, it happened pretty early too. Because let's see here, Max Homa won at Riviera. Matt Jones won the Honda. Uh, even Sam Burns at Valspar. I mean, he wasn't like a long shot, but you know, he was still in like the thirty-five to one range. Billy Horschel won the match play. I think he was like seventy-five to one or something crazy like that. Hideki at the Masters. Sink wins again. Uh, so yeah, KH Lee is another one. And then it went pretty chalky. I guess Lucas Glover at the John Deere Classic. I think he was like 50 or 75 to one, somewhere in that range. Uh, and then I guess EVR at the Barracuda was kind of the same thing as well. But once we got to like the midpoint of the year, it, it went on kind of a run. Like we hit Kokrak at the Charles Schwab, who his number was just wrong that week, uh, where he was playing so well and he should have been considered one of the favorites because you had Cam Davis in Detroit, like you mentioned. But then it went like Cantley, Rory, Rom, Harris English at the Travelers, who was one of the favorites. Then you had like Morikawa. Champ was a big long shot at 3M. Uh, Kisner was you know mid-priced at Wyndham. Finau, Cantley, Cantley. And even if you had bet on Rom or Kevin Na, they were like decent in the betting market without strokes at the Tour Championship. So... At the beginning of the year, it seemed like there was more value on these longer shot guys where they kind of dissipated, which makes sense because now you're getting into majors, WGCs, and playoff events when all the good guys show up. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And I would say in the biggest events, though, we didn't get a ton of the chalk outside of the ROM US Open win. Like even like the Morikawa WGC, he was... You know, 35, 40 to 40 one, to one. Billy. 40 to one. That was great. <laughs> you mentioned Billy at the, at the W, um, GC 70 to one, uh, you know, between Morikawa's major Hideki's major Phil's major, you know, those are all 40 Hideki, I think was 50, you know, Phil is, is what it is. I keep bringing, bringing that up. So in the biggest events, I don't think the chalk was, was, uh, was hitting at all. No, I mean, that's, if that's not the chalk, that's sort of like the next tier down. Those are still what I would call elite players though. Not Horschel. Yeah, no, so I like that. Horschel's like a step down from those guys, but whether it's Hideki or Morikawa, I mean, those guys are excellent players. And I would say that showed that Hideki Morikawa when that shows um that shows pat that the the major sweet spot is that like 30 to 50 to 1 range well, especially for those first time winners well, just, and that's why like you look at you know, just to jump into things but like just look at how well burger finished in every big event next year last year the last couple years um how he finishes in in the the top top events and he's like in that ultimate sweet spot for that first time major winner price point for all through 2022 i think yeah let's see eighth at the open championship seventh at the u.s open 75th at the pga championship that was a really bad weekend he was kind of in it after two rounds ninth at the players and he missed the cut at the Masters. he's bad at the masters as we found out yeah, he's never made uh, i don't think he's ever shot under 70 at the masters which is something i've learned the hard way apparently uh i don't think that's true because he came 10th in his debut at the Masters. So then maybe that's Hatton, another guy in that range. Oh, no, you um, know what? That You might be right about the, the 10th at the Masters was the year that Willett won, and that was the year it was really hard. Yeah, I just saw it. I don't know. I saw the um, something on on that. So that that continues to be the sweet spot. And John Rahm, though, 
like we always spoke about it, right? Pat, like John Rom, we consider as good as like when we just knew Dustin Johnson would win a major. And honestly, when we just knew Jason Day would win a major, those are the only first time major winners that were able to do it under 15 to 15 to one in our sort of recent, um, in the time we've been doing this. Um, it's very hard. And I guess we'll see what comes of it um, for the other guys. But also, like when you add Morikawa into a staple under 20 to one, when Victor just wants to be bet so heavily, when Patrick Cantley wins the FedEx Cup in a player of the year, does that mean any which way will get um, a break on, on Xander Shoffley, who was second at the Masters last year? Probably not, but I'd love to. Yeah, lo looking at Berger from the year he came 10th in his debut, the year that you know made our careers when Danny Willett ended up winning by three strokes. Berger went 73, 71, 74, 71. He finished one over power and came in 10th. So yeah, I think you're right. I don't think he's ever broke 70. Um, yeah, so he's a guy that sort of sits right in that. And that's why I think he's a very popular bet major week because he sit he at least I believe he's a player capable of winning the big events. And I'll say this as we do this stuff, talking about majors, people will send me text tweets all the time. Like, do you like this guy? Like, the, I don't care if the number is going to be shorter by the time the major comes. If I don't believe the player can win. Like, I still have to believe the player can win for me to bet a guy. Like, I don't care if he's hundred now when he's going to be 60 week of, if I don't think he's going to win, even if I agree with you, he's going to be 60 of the week. Now closing line value in golf. That's a whole like different thing as opposed to like having it in football, but guys got, I got to believe he can win. If I'm going to make a bet on you to win a major championship. Yeah. It's not like you're, you know, grabbing the extra half point in a football game, which, you know, they can still lose, but cover that spread because of the half point. I, I agree with you. I mean, I always like to bet early so I can try to get the best numbers on the guys that I like the best, but it's not going to preclude me but from saying, I want to bet this guy because I'll, you know, I'm looking at it like, just looking at the master's odds right now. I don't know if there's anyone up there, but I mean, there could be like Jason Kokrak is a hundred to one right now. If Jason Kokrak wins Pebble Beach this year, he's going to be like 40 to one to win the master's. He's not going to win the master's. So I'm not betting him. <laughs> And that's a, a very good point. And clearly it's so hard. I can't bet any of this chalk to win the Masters. You know, right now, I assume I'm going to get essentially the same number by the time we get there, other than the one or two players that, you know, are in great form the week of. It's all about, I guess, trying to dissect who do you think can win? Who's got that big number right now? Um I will say I'll pat myself on the back, Pat, in sort of this sort of format. I've picked the two biggest future major winners with the Willet and the Woodland picks over 100 to one. Uh, people can come back at me with the Phil pick, but I make this counter argument with the Phil pick. No Pat. one picked it. No, but I would argue Christmas time last year, Phil's odds to win the PGA were shorter than the week of the event, if that makes any sense. Well, this is the problem that we've gotten into now and the biggest difference from when we started doing this show to where golf betting has evolved to in 2022 is that they know that people are looking for the good odds early. We sniffed them out like over the 
first five years of the show, we could sniff out some pretty good odds on players who would end up going off at 50 to one or 45 to one and grab them at 150 or 125. I don't really feel like that exists to this point. I think like just looking at the odds at the Masters right now, no one is a good value. There's not one player here unless it's like, oh, Victor goes, Victor is currently at DraftKings Sportsbook 22 to one to win the Masters. What's the best case scenario here? He drops to 28 at some point, or he moves up to 16? Like, it's just, like, before he would have been, like, 40. Or, like, they would actually hang numbers. Now it's the opposite. They're just giving you bad numbers on people. You mentioned that, like, 30 to 50 range. There's so many guys in that range. And by the time, like, the week of gets along, there's going to be, like, six guys in this range. And a lot of these guys who are 40 or 35 or... 45 are going to be 55, 60, 65, 70, because no one's going to have any, no one's going to bet on them. We got like Berger, Hideki, Finau, Reed, Webb, Zalatoris, Scheffler, Neiman, Hatton, Fleetwood, Connors, Casey, Ricky Fowler, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Cameron Smith, Louis Eustazen, Sungjae, and Abraham Answer. All those guys are from 30 to 50 on the betting board right now. That's just not going to be the case the week of the Masters. And guess what? You want to know the reality of the situation is? One of those like 12 best players in the world is going to win the Masters. And I just haven't decided which one it's going to be. And there's no point in betting any of them. Like people message me like, can't leave 22 to one. You should, you should bet that. What's it going to turn to? What's it going to turn to? What's he got to do to, to get like, do you know what I mean? Like you almost said it. So it becomes 18. I don't know. I'm not making any of these bets right now. The most frustrating part though, about the future board, Pat, and we know this. We've talked about it often. If a player plays well, they'll crush his number. But there's no, like, give back on a guy struggling. A good player struggling, it's not like they bump him from 30 to 60 because they're like, no, he's a good player. This tournament isn't for six months. He'll figure it out. We're not giving them X on that player right now either. So it's a one-way street with the future board. You only lose points when players perform well, but you're never getting points. The only way you're getting points is if their SUV rolls off a road. And even then, um, you know, it's going to be a temperamental thing where it comes down. Where is Tiger now? Tiger is... Do they even have Tiger? 50, 60? They don't actually. DraftKings Sportsbook does not have a Tiger Woods bet on the board for the Masters. Well, I think we're being rope-a-doped by the man, so I don't blame them. He was as low as 200 to 1 in places, but the moment that he played the team tournament with his son, his odds got crushed back down to like 50 to 1 in yeah. places. So. Uh, well, listen, we can do this right now. I have no doubts. Like, you have to sell low, and that's what he did at his press conference before the hero. He sold low you know, just didn't want to get anyone's hopes up. You sell low and you over-deliver. That's the number one lesson in life. I do that in parenting. I don't even do a lot. People think when I do like the little things, I'm doing something great. It's because their expectations were so low of me. <laughs> Boom, win this guy, okay? Now, Tiger, totally different creature. He's got to make himself a mental makeup in a way where he has to, you know, just tell us to expect nothing. Then what does he do? He's grinding every day on the range. He's in Sunday regalia at the Hero for a range session. Red shirt, black pants. Getty's paid to do it. He probably has to go to Starbucks on Sunday in a red shirt. That's cool. But what I know, Pat, is I have no fears. We're going to be overflowing with Tiger Joy before it's like over. And what I mean by that 
is um, a, I saw him swinging full at the PNC, which means like, there's just going to be a continual ramp up here. Um, swinging full, full swing speed. That's a great sign. There's courses I know he can go to that can work for him. Maybe it won't even be this year. I have other theories. I never thought Tiger would play the Champions Tour. Now I'm certain he's going to play the Champions Tour. Even on some semi basis, like we saw Phil, and it's a great tune-up to get your game in shape maybe for the big events that you want to play on the PGA Tour. But I have this other dream, Pat, this content dream where Tiger, he's just so competitive. We haven't even gotten the years where Charlie's on the bag yet, folks. We haven't even gotten to those years yet. We're going to get so much of this guy and we're going to love it. And it's going to get to the point where Champions Tour TV dollars or, or rights fees could be worth almost just the big boys because he's going to play. He's going to play. And if he wants to really do it, Pat, he should like own the tour. The T PGA tour should give him like a 70, 70 that, that, like a true I, ownership. That, that would be, that would be, I mean, he's not stupid. And I think that he got a cut of the PGA money in like the late nineties to be like, Hey, why not? In the same thing? way, Arnold Palmer, like yeah. took the champions tour and made it something tiger's going to just redo this whole thing. And then we're of this age where all these guys that we grew up loving, like Bubba Watson are going to end up there. Like, I'm just saying, like, for guys our age, it's going to be so good. And he's going to own the rights of the PGA Champions Tour. I mean it. Like, that's where it's going. That's what I think is going to happen. I love it. Yeah, if, if he doesn't negotiate himself a part of the Champions Tour, I don't think that he'll play on it. But I think he will. And I think they'll no, give but, it to yeah, him. I think that they'll give it to him and he will play. I agree with you. But if I was him, I would not do it unless they gave me that. <laughs> and, and as for the PGA Tour, we've spoken about this a bunch. D Davis Love won at Sedgefield at 53. I have no doubts Tiger can make a compact schedule that tunes him up for big events, but at the same time, he chases a win by playing courses where he's not penalized by the driver. Um, and I don't mean people make the jokes, Pat, that he should practice like year round at Mayakoba and Puerto Rico and play that swing of events. But I don't know. He can do whatever, whatever he wants. But I'm telling you, the cup of tiger, we're going to be so satisfied. I mean it. I mean it. I feel it. I know it. Especially if he ends up playing the Masters. We have no idea how he's going to look this year, but I think that he'll end up playing the Masters and he'll probably perform well. It's the Masters. It's Tiger. He just always, it's like how Fred Couples still plays well at the Masters. Bernhard Langer still plays well at the Masters, that he's going to have that. If he yeah. does play well at the Masters, we probably don't see him for a while. I actually, and you can't bet this now, but the week of, remind me, the best bet that you can make is bet Tiger Woods to miss the cut at the U.S. Open. The U.S. Open is not going to be kind to Tiger as the years go forward. They're not kind to him now. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I I totally um I can't argue with that. Like, like we're we're gonna bit. we're gonna we're gonna have a situation where I mean it's funny because Spieth is almost kind of in the same circumstance now. Like Spieth's gonna be competitive at Augusta and the Open Championship. And I kind of like that those are his two best chances of winning what, more majors. What did we do on the show last year? We bet Tiger to win Royal St. George. Yeah. He would have been great there. Would have been great. It'll be St. Andrews, you know, if he's healthy. I'm not saying this year. I, I don't know what's got to happen this year. And I'm not even talking about in terms of wins. Although if I had to bet, he will get one more um, win. He'll, in his career or this again. year? 
No, uh, maybe not this year. My, I, I don't know what this year holds. My my worry is that he's going to play like a more condensed version of the Adam Scott schedule. That he's not going to give himself, like you said, like the Mayakoba, like those type of courses. He was never going to play those anyway. But like Wyndham and Heritage, like those are courses where he could truly compete. And those are courses that I think would align a lot with what his skill set is now and where he is still. Valspar Honda too, right? We got to separate Florida events so he can have, so he doesn't need to play back to back. Sure. But I just don't think he shows up to any of these ones anymore. Um, Maybe, maybe you're, that's totally fair, but, but you do think he shows up to RBC and, and Sedgefield, right? No, no, no. I don't think he shows up to those events. I think he should show up to those events. I don't think that he will. Yeah, I guess we'll 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 um, find out. And he's acknowledged in that press conference that he's going to need he's going to play so little when he plays again that he's going to need to find ways to practice, like you said, those competitive putts. If that makes any sense. Yeah, like you, you have to feel some way to tournament sim- feels simulate like he's going to have yeah. to find ways to create tournament feels when he's just showing up every every now and then um, he'll do it. He'll do it. Our next partner has a product I literally use every day. I started taking athletic greens because I feel like I wasn't getting enough nutrients. I never really have like green juice around and. I just really eat a lot of protein. I don't necessarily get all the minerals that I need. And Athletic Greens made it so easy with one delicious scoop. I was just absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and... It really made me feel really, really good. Plus, they give me a vitamin D dropper, and honestly, I need my vitamin D during the winter time when the sun goes down and starts getting dark early. I need to keep my energy up. I need to keep that vitamin D up, and I feel like my energy levels have been really, really high. My gut health has been a lot better. My focus has been better. My recovery from exercise has been a lot better, and Honestly, I think I'm looking younger, too. I can't really, like, vouch for that, but I feel like I am looking that way. So I just take it every single morning. Fill up the water bottle that comes along with it, the one scoop, boom, mix it all together, feel immaculate the rest of the day. And honestly, it's pretty tasty as well. And right now is the time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into flu and cold season, which I had. I feel a lot better because of Athletic Greens, I'm pretty sure. It's just one scoop of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills or supplements to look out for your health. And Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance for yourself. And it supports better sleep quality and recovery and supports mental clarity and alertness and god knows we need that over the holiday season so to make it easy athletic greens is going to give you a free one year supply of the immune supporting vitamin d and five free travel packs with your first purchase all you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash mayo again that is athleticgreens.com slash mayo to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance do you want to get into masters right now or talk about some potential breakout players for this year? Guys who you think, let's talk about that guys whose stock is going to go up 
in 2021 because I feel like the cat is out of the bag on like the breakout players for this year going into it because these players have already broken out mainly during the swing season. Like people are aware of Taylor Gooch. People are aware of Sam Burns. Like these guys are really good Uh, and you can't really call them sleepers anymore. Same as Vic. You can't really call like Vic's going to be a breakthrough. Yeah. Well, every single person is saying that. I don't think that's sneaking up on anyone. His odds dictate that he's not. I am looking down the list. I think this is a big rebound year for Gary Woodland now that he is healthy. I think that he only had probably has so many years left of being like top level elite guy before the dip happens when he gets too old. And I think that if he he's back from this torn labrum in his hip, he looks completely healthy again. Last year was a complete write off. He's kind of out of everyone's mindset right now. He, I mean, he won the U S open obviously, but he was having a great year and maybe he peaked. And that was going to be it for him anyway, kind of like we saw with Webb Simpson, uh, where he had his run as sort of like an elite, elite player. Now he has taken the step back. Will the same thing happen to Harris English? Who knows at this point? But we see some of these American players, you know, they hit their peak a little bit later, then they come back down and level off. Even Tyrrell Hatton could be the same way, too, for a European reference on that one. But I think that Woodland's still got stuff in the juice, and I think he's going to be undervalued coming out of the gate before people catch on that he's still good. Yeah, listen, I am um, a forever Gary sort of guy here, so I'm 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 thrilled to hear you say that. I can't wait for the for the Monday mornings where you're you're talking up Gary and you talk me into betting him, and it's easy to pull twist my arm on him. I guess the one concern could be like maybe he just already got everything out of himself that he could have. But you're not even talking about performing in a major. You're literally saying, no, we're going to catch this guy at 80 to one, 70 to one at like a really bad field, maybe a hundred to one. Like, so I get like, you're not talking about a major. You're talking about like, no, this guy's going to cash a ticket for us this year. And I don't care if it's the goddamn Palmetto. Speaking of the Palmetto. I think that Garrick Higo is going to win a Masters. I don't think it's going to be this year in his debut, but I think that he has the perfect game for Augusta. His short game is immaculate. He has proven to be a pretty clutch putter inside 10 feet, and the guy is fucking incredible off the tee. And being a lefty, I think, really only helps your case. I was looking, let's talk Masters, like Masters Futures. Um, yeah, let's let's do it, because a lot of the conversations, breakouts, are my player that I think it all leads to maybe I like them for the Masters anyway, so have, I, let's do it. I, I don't see anyone on the board worth betting right now, uh, outside of a guy that I bet to win the PGA Championship last year, and actually you know, cashed us a nice top 20 ticket at the Masters in his debut this time, got himself back into the Masters this time around, but at DraftKings Sportsbook right now, my guy Bobby Mack is 130-1. to 1. I mean, a power lefty. We've seen crazier things happen. It's going to be a second Masters. I like that he has the experience under his belt. He was 12th a year ago. I don't think he's the greatest player, but I think that Augusta sets up well for him. Okay. I totally agree with that and seeing some huge numbers. And there are guys that I'm going to tout who are probably a bit shorter than him on the odds board. But find me a 100-to-1 Masters winner, Pat. And I'll build off your Higo takes and really buy into Higo. I buy into Higo, but Bezadenhout checks a lot of those boxes also um, as a really sneaky player. And the President's Cup South African invasion um, is probably going to be on, I think. Not saying they're going to perform well at the Cup, but it feels like that roster is going to be invaded by South Africa. 
I worry about Bizadenhout at Augusta simply because he is like one of the shittiest drivers on the PGA Tour. Like he is awful off the tee. Now, can he hit enough fairways? He just like he has to be a part of like Team Magic Beans along with Mackenzie Hughes and Jordan Spieth. But we know his peak Spieth is like good at everything, and then he has the Magic Beans, which is kind of what makes him unstoppable when he's going well. Like he really fixed his driver over the past eighteen months. He's not Rory off the tee, but he's not the world's worst driver anymore, which is really all he needs to be. His irons are still really good, and Bezadenhout can get hot and cold with the irons. And at a hundred to one, can he make enough putts over the course of four days? Probably. But can he drive it well enough for four days to not take himself out of contention? Yep. Would, would, would be, uh, sorry. He, he needs a... He actually... I think the path to Bezadenhout winning the Masters is the Willet path to winning the Masters. It needs to be one of those really hard Masters years where his short game means more, his putting means more, and the driving means less. Um, and I'll just put it out there. I, it's not like a bet I'm making, but I'm playing the game of, of a hundred to oh, one. Oh, sure. But I, I want to throw some cold water back at you too. We're not here to be an, yeah, yeah. an agreement, um, Joe. Although there's a bet that I could be prepared to make right now and ask you to make it for me when staring at master's odds, Pat. Uh, and it's high enough on the board. I'm seeing Sung J M at 80 to one to win the master's. Am on I... the book that sometimes I have you make bets for me on because they kicked me off years ago. I don't see him at 80 to 1 unless I'm just not seeing him. Oh, shit. No, he's 45 to 1 at that book. I've got, that's my US Open page. I'm embarrassed. I'm sorry. That's okay. He's 50. Okay. Yeah. Um, I got confused because the other guys I like are, were the exact same odds. Um for that tournament so i don't know there's no one in that deep range in the middle range i am one of those people pat that i'm gonna lose a lot of money on Corey connors this year yeah but you're not and... gonna bet Corey connors at the masters at 50 to 1 or sorry 66 to 1 right now like that's that's too short for when no because i think what he has to do before the masters for it to be under 60 to 1 would probably be to win and i think the week of a lot of these guys get the um the uptick, but uh, he's uh, he's a player that I I think the absolute world of. I think he's going to win something real big, uh, some real big in the next couple of years. I could see it. He just needs he he has to improve putting at some point, right? I mean, I've said this with the losers that I bet for the past five years, and they never do. But Webb went from being the worst putter on tour to the best putter on tour. He doesn't even need to do that. He just needs to be not the worst putter on tour, and all of a sudden we're in business. The thing about Connors, though, his whole game continues to improve. Like his putting is is improved. It got better last year, but his whole game continues to improve. Well, so. l- looking at him, I have the stats pulled up on FantasyNational.com. Uh, if you are into gambling or you are into daily fantasy or just researching golf, you need to be a member at FantasyNational.com. Use FantasyNational.com slash Mayo to get yourself 20% off. And we have just added in shot shapes in the individual player profiles new for 2022. You can see how often a player moves the ball right to left, left to right, hits it directly straight and the accuracy that they have with those shots so if you want to see if someone's a draw player a fade player you can find that out pretty easily now on fantasynational.com so i highly recommend that you check that out looking at Corey connors i have the entire pga tour like top 250 players from last year 
sorted by their last 50 rounds. Uh, Corey Connors, of all players, 213th around the green in strokes gained, 160th in putting. He is 10th in ball striking. That is 5th off the tee, 27th in approach. Even though he is 213th around the green, he is still 24th in strokes gained tee to green. I see it. He's an elite ball striker. These are the types of players that we love to target because they present the highest variance of any sort of player. This is why we always kept catching good numbers on Morikawa, even up to the Open Championship, is because he, too, is a really shitty putter four out of five weeks. Except on the fifth week, he's one of the best putters in the field. Connors needs to have (laughs) that happen for him in order to be like a, a legit contender in these spots. Yeah, I guess that's the question, right? Does he have that ability to spike that category? Not just have a good week in that category, but what we do here, what we're going to do weekly is discuss outright betting. So do the hard spikes exist? What's funny is you brought up, well, not funny, you brought up Woodland as your player to um, maybe to to have a, a resurgence. My player in that regard, probably a bit more highly ceiling player considering he was former number one in the world but another player that i am going to lose a lot on this year pat is adam scott why you sort of made the comment with woodland that you believe there's a there's one more go here for a rededication i am certain that's currently happening with scott there is one more go these young guys they come out of the tunnel ready they they are attacking these these tournaments these leaderboards these world rankings it's almost hard to comprehend. Um, but Adam Scott, like a one more full dedication to the craft. We're going to catch something big, big. I really do feel that to compare it to like the Phil thing. I don't think we see Scott as like low as Phil was last year. So I don't think anything can compare to that, but at the same time in trying to pick a guy who's going to, um, find a moment or two of total, um rejuvenation it's adam scott for me if i took sergio against scott who do you think has the better year because i'm seeing those two at very similar prices across everything i i like them both i like them both and they have sort of the same sort of struggles and in some ways it's sad like Corey connor is just a young adam scott right <laughs> like I- the other guy just talked up I, I would say he's sort of like a young Sergio at this point, except Sergio has immaculate touch around the greens. Yeah, I, I, I'm very bullish on both um, Sergio and, and Scott, but I would probably lean Scott, but I think Sergio's going to play more, and Sergio plays in some lower-tier events sometimes, so Sergio might be more likely to get, like, a win. Well, but, like, a, a WGC or a major... I would take Scott. I don't know. Like, I'm looking at it right now. Like, Scott, I mean, Scott putted really well last year. Like, really, really well. He was 23rd well, of all. Where did he miss the three-footer in the fall to win? Wyndham. Win- oh, yeah. But by and large, like, a lot of his top performances were just based on the back of his putter, which you don't expect from Adam Scott. It always used to be sort of the Corey Connors thing. Like, oh, my God, man, make some putts, and all of a sudden, like, we're off to the races. And he never could do it. But he gained last year in like 80 percent of his starts and like big time too like at farmers when he he was very much in the mix and ended up coming 10th it's because he putted well that week like he was okay 
He was a very poor driver of the ball. He was very bad with his irons. His irons did heat up basically starting at the Wyndham. And he started to play really, played well at the CJ Cup and the Shriners and did really well at Wyndham. And the drivers started to come back, but he started to lose his touch around the green and his putter again. So maybe he just needs to kind of piece it together. I'm kind of with you on that. With Sergio, like, he has fallen into Corey Connors' range of being the worst putter on tour. Like, he is god-awful. But his driving has not gone anywhere. The irons are far more inconsistent than they have been, bef- like, any point of his past. But the spike weeks that he gets out of his irons, like, he's leading the field with his irons when yeah. he's on. And the driving doesn't go anywhere. So maybe they are very they are pretty similar to tell you the truth. Like we could do a Sergio and Scott head to head bet this year of like who gets more wins or who ends up with more money I don't or want anything to cheer like that. Against yeah, but that feels like we might as well just flip coins at this point. They feel like very much the same player now. Yeah, and I don't want to cheer against Sergio. I get suckered into those numbers because I punch him into the model and he always <laughs> you know, he always shout comes up as very bettable because it's usually over 40 to one and you're betting on the spike and I'm silly enough to trust them in situations like I shouldn't very much like, you know, the amount of times I'll bet Paul Casey and hate myself. I like Carlos Ortiz to break out this year. You know, Carl King Carlos has been my guy for ages. Yeah. But yeah. His putter went so exceptionally cold after the PGA championship, which is really off like for his career in 140 starts on the PGA tour. He has a positive putter, marginally. He's a little bit above average on the PGA Tour. In his past five, past 10 starts on the PGA Tour, he is losing an average of 2.4 strokes putting per event. That is outrageous. That is one of the worst on tour. Now, is this just a thing where he has the yips and he can't putt anymore, and that's just going to be a plaguing him his entire life? I don't think so, because I even from earlier this year, you see spikes of like 7.5 gain, 5.1 gain. The big thing that I'm kind of on with him, though, is that he became utterly consistent ball striking. He drives it well. He hits his irons well. There was a point of last year where he was just living on basically Mackenzie Hughes's game plan of chipping in every single time. Then that flipped, and he went through a really rough patch. And then he started putting really poorly, which masked how well he was actually striking the ball. If he can just get back to being a break-even putter and continue on this path of upward trajectory with his ball striking i think he's going to be a force and he plays in a lot of these like dinky dunk tournaments too so whether it's the sony or american express or one of these ones i think we can catch carlos on a good one yeah i totally i i can't argue with any of that i don't have a bad um i don't have a bad thing to say about about carlos i was gonna put air in seamus powers tires but i'm looking at the stats and i don't see what i thought i knew he had his run. He had a run of like four events where he was incredible. Yeah. It was like, uh, who was the other guy halfway through the year who just went mental with the putter for like um, two months? Hank Lebiota. Remember when he had his run? Uh, yeah. Yeah. The run of seconds for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Power's fine though. Like power's a good player. Um, for but the pa- in terms of a, a breakout player, like, I don't know. It seems so weird. Like you can't call Max Homa breakout player. He won Riviera. He won twice last year, right? Like I think a lot of people will point to Aaron Wise as the breakout player. He's still 151 to win the Masters. And like Rick has pointed this out that ever since he has switched to the broomstick putter, he's just been like his biggest drawback was a he was inconsistent, but b like he would lose nine strokes a tournament on the greens. Now he doesn't. 
So to fix that part of your game, you start looking a whole lot better when it comes to the standings. Uh, but I feel like he's going to be a very popular one. Here's here's a shorter number. Like Maverick McNeely is very popular to break out this year. It seems like people like him more than Max Homa, which I find truly bizarre considering Homa's won three times on the PGA Tour. Uh, McNeely has not. And Homa's actually won, I mean, he won Quail Hollow. He won Riviera. Like He's won some big time tournaments. But other than that, I actually think all the buzz that we talked about with Hovland, with um, Hovland and Xander, like all these guys, even Finau, break out for their first career major, like the upper echelon win. Uh, and people will thrust Burns into that conversation now too. I'm still kind of stuck on Zalatoris and Scheffler. I, I feel like we have not seen the best from them yet. No, of, of course not. And I mean, there's so many ways to slice the cat of, of debating the young guys but i guess now you know even if you want to add uh players into the group like there's a clear demarcation point that that morikawa and hovland are are ahead right and then it's a very the next group would probably involve like burn scheffler neiman m Right, like so, it's uh, Wolf. It, it does. I mean, want, uh, listen, I, I, Matthew Wolf is going to win eighteen times this year. That's that's my prediction. I'm going to be there for all of them because I love Matthew Wolf, and he's going to cost me so much money. It's going to be kind of ridiculous. He's a he's a guy who loves coming in second place for me. Uh, at least at majors, he's pretty deep when he ends up doing it, so it's not so bad. But just the heartbreak I've experienced with Matthew Wolf when he's been in contention in big tournaments is just like uh, he's another like good chef. He's a good spike putter, too. Like, he has his bad weeks, but he has his really good weeks. I think it's unfair to classify Morikawa and Hovland together because I think that that's how they came in. That's how they were known. Vic was always given, like, Vic was the prospect coming in. Fuck, I called him young Rory, and I still believe that. He'll eventually harness his entire game and be like Rory has. He'll have that sort of ceiling. Whether he ever gets there, who knows? But the only reason that Morikawa, besides age, really, and coming in together at the same time, like, Morikawa's not on Vic's level. Morikawa's on Rom's level. Uh, I can't debate it. I can't. There's nothing to really argue there. You're probably right. It's, it's, it's like Morikawa, definitive gap, Hovland, definitive gap. Like, yes. They are almost in their own clear category to call... Morikawa 1A to Hovland's 1B is probably a disrespect to to Colin Morikawa. So, but, but this is where Morikawa comes back in because we see him right now. He is the fourth favorite at the Masters. He's 14 to 1. He is one of those guys whose number will change if he doesn't win in like February. If he doesn't win by February, he'll be 22 to 1 again. That's just what happens with him. Yeah, I will say this. There are so many guys and there are so many good golfers that something's going to have to give, right? The guys that aren't playing well, their numbers are going to have to get high. It just happens every time. Brooks Kepka still like goes into the 30s when there's like a loss of form. Right, so not not at majors though. They they will continue to keep his major number between 16 and 22. They just will. Yeah, I guess if he's healthy, um, if he's healthy, clearly in that regard, Scheffler, listen, like Scheffler, he's going who want like Fina won at the end of last year. And another guy we like to make fun of who never wins won at the end of last year. And I joked, Scotty Scheffler's like losing his cover 
because he's going to be the next man up that people want to make fun of. It was Vic. Um, it was Vic, wasn't it? Because Vic ended up. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess it might have been Vic. I'm, I'm trying to remember, but these guys that were the cover for Scheffler just just kept going down. And Scheffler, like you look at his major record, his big event record. Um, it's good. His ability to to cash, right? It's almost like the books price him like they would price Fina of a couple of years ago because they have to protect the the each way. But he doesn't get he doesn't get the credit that like when, when you compare Hovland's major record to Scheffler's major record, they're very similar. Like last year at the majors, let's see here, he was eighth at the Open Championship, seventh at the U.S. Open, eighth at the PGA Championship, and eighteenth at the Masters. Runner up at a WGC. Yep. And runner up in Houston, right. fourth at Mayakoba, like third at the Memorial. Made the yeah. Ryder Cup. Yeah. Fifth at, at concession, top 10 at uh, in Phoenix. Like it felt like he had a lot worse year than he did because the expectation for him coming into last year was so high. But now he's kind of becoming forgotten. And that will change if he has a good performance. People will just glom onto his nuts and be like, oh man, Scotty Scheffler definitely going to win the Masters. I'm not saying that, but I think that he will be undervalued. You know who the guy is, though, who's going to win us the most? I don't money think he's year? undervalued. Like we did the draft, I had the ninth pick of 11 guys, I took him in the second round. Okay, but I think that's because we're talking about it. I think when we look at the betting markets, it's not going to be the case. Like, where's Scheffler? Scheffler is 50-1 to to win the Masters. Like, is there that much of a difference, again, between Hovland? But but, but, but is there that big of a difference between Hovland, Finau, and Scheffler? Okay, you're right. So we're always like, and we've spoken about this in the weekly show, like buy low on the guy with the bigger odds of, like, the group, right? Sometimes that's maybe just, like, the betting strategy to go by the thing with Scheffler and discussing the majors that, that that just starts a whole other conversation. But you, although he you, is, you are far more likely to see Scheffler. Like we get to the American express or we get to Phoenix or something like that. Scheffler is far more likely to be 20, 30 to one than 12 to one. Like hell, I will say you know this I mean? about Scheffler and it was the motto you took with Finau. Now the issue here is when we're talking about majors and future majors, you'd like to see him win somewhere else because that's a really big ask. Like he's in that price range of first time major winners, but those guys have already won tournaments, right? Like the guys that win their first major in that 30 to 50 range are also not looking to win their first ever PGA tour event. So that's a bit of a caveat with the Scheffler claim. Although just like we're learning in every other sport, Pat, the rules we put these self-imposed rules we put on what guys are capable of starting their careers coming out of college. You got to throw that all out the window. I mean, like, look what Willie did at the masters a couple of years ago. Look at Morikawa second run at the open championship. They just come out of the tunnel, um, totally ready to win. But Scheffler like the theory you had with Finau, which we freaking cashed on at 66, baby. I was in the well so long, okay? For people, that was profit. For me, that was get back. I'd rather bet Scheffler at 66 to 1 in a full field WGC than 14 to 1 in Minnesota. I agree, like, but I think, I, I think I, the I, win is just as likely. I, I completely agree. I think that he would win a stacked field tournament, just like we always said with Finau versus something else. However, I think you're more likely to get more bettable odds on Sheffler than you would even on a Finau in the same sort of situation. I just don't feel like his name carries that kind of weight. Because he's been boxed out of that tier that we're talking about. 
Now he can get himself back into it, but as it stands right now, like he was going off at the same numbers as like Cantlay and guys like that. And those guys have just passed him. Although it's just because he didn't win. Although the performances have still been really good. Yeah. And you know, yeah, you're absolutely right. And how many times did we scream and I screamed and we screamed on this show that and it finally, I guess happened. Like how I always thought like Cantley and Xander, like, they're the exactly same skilled guy. Like, but Xander was always 16 and Cantley was 30. And now it seems like they're both just 20s. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I'm 100% lockstep with you on that. I was going to say the most profitable golfer that I feel like we can bet this year, someone who wins at low numbers, I think it's going to be Dustin. Dustin, I, Dustin uh, revenge tour season. I don't um, doubt that at all. I was shot. I keep referencing it and go watch it. If you haven't the draft we did with, with uh, 11 of us, that was quite a hoot. Um, I was shocked how late he went. Like if I was picking third or four, I might've taken him. He was in my, I picked in full disclosure of that. I picked number four in that draft and I had it whittled down to three guys who were left on the board. Uh, and I was, Oh, you, you, your, your pick was dropped to you. It was, I wanted Morikawa. I figured he wouldn't be there. And then he dropped me, and I was like, oh, geez, Morikawa, okay, because Hovland went before him. Uh, so I got Morikawa at number four. I thought it was going to come down. I thought Morikawa would be gone, and my the two I had it down to was Justin Thomas and Dustin Johnson. I was going to take one of those two guys, um, and that was going to be like a the, real— The super hype for Vic, Pat, is, is going to come at the PGA, right? Because it's at Oklahoma State. Yes. And sometimes those are the ones where they actually don't perform well. We saw Rory at that home open or even— in that zone where Fleetwood was potentially capable of doing something special. Remember, like there was that open at, at the course, like him and his dad walked his dog his whole life, yeah. like beside. And forever. it was it was funny because Rory got all the pub at Portrush and then it was Lowry who ended up winning the guy who had no pressure yeah. on him. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. And there's a whole flock of uh, Oki State Cowboys. Ricky. It's, it's Ricky's time. Oh, my God. I Yeah, he even I, played. Listen, he even played well at the PGA Championship last year. When he putted himself out of the Masters, remember? Yes. Oh, cheering for that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where the numbers, you know, come in for Ricky. I'll be. They're beat. I hope they're, I, they're, they're beat to hell. He's fifty to one to win the Masters right now. He's not even in the is, Masters. He's not in it. <laughs> but he's fifty that to one to crazy. win it. <laughs> The books are just—they're trying to steal from you. All, That's not right. Also, if guys. If you bet a future on a golfer and they don't play in the tournament, unless they're injured, you don't get your money back if they don't qualify. <laughs> we we learned that the hard way with Gary Woodland. We learned that. I feel like with the competition in the in the in that space now, it's sort of books of sort of it's a possibility you could write a nicely worded, you know, response or letter and and you can get you can get hooked. Um Ricky is, not, in not, fairness, number 83 in the world. He has a realistic, like, he some luminaries he needs to pass to get into the Masters. Sean Norris, Charlie Hoffman, Dean Burmista Mista Lady, Alex Noren, Bubba Watson, Marcus Helgilkid. Like, and the th good th thing there's about a path Ricky, <laughs> Ricky's lucky, right? Because even though he's at the moment, like, out of the WGC scene, He's still very much involved in the invitational scene. Oh, yeah, like he'll always get his invite to the like 
Bay Hill and, and Memorial and such. They invited him to play in the PGA Championship last year. They were like, yeah, Ricky, here you go. Here's an invite. That was nice. One of the nicer scenes, I mean it, Pat, was the scene of him trying to qualify for the U.S. Open. Mind you, Jason Day didn't even cancel his tea time. Um, <laughs> just went to do like a net jets thing. Uh, Got to get paid, obviously. Uh, him missing the, the, the qualifier for the U.S. Open by a stroke, trying to grind his way in. And in the darkness, signing autographs for all the kids that were there who, who wanted one. So I might have been wrong on Ricky Fowler, the golfer. I've been wrong on a lot of golfers, but I was never wrong on Ricky the guy ever. Let's talk a little bit about the U.S. Open and what we're going to see from that this time around the you actually the PGA championship because that one's in May that's at Southern Hills in Tulsa Oklahoma this is the one that we were talking about with Victor Hovland and where he is going to probably fuck he might be the betting favorite by the time we get around with the amount of hype that's gonna end up going into him I don't really remember Southern Hills at all um it's a longish course. It's like 7,500 yards. It's a par 71. I assume that's what it's going to play at for the PGA championship. The last time that a major was held at this course was in 2007 for the PGA championship uh, that year. Tiger Woods won. So that doesn't really tell us anything else, but even in 2007, this was the rest of the leaderboard. And I do kind of remember this one because Stephen Ames played in the final group with Tiger Woods uh, on the final day. And Ames didn't end up finishing inside the top 10 because he had that classic. That was such a fun period of time where Tiger would get paired up with like the hot shot, like guy who was having a good week through three rounds. And they would shoot like 82 in the final round and just completely crumble playing next to Tiger. I remember it happened to Mike Weir at the PGA Championship. Maybe it's a Canadian thing. I don't know. But Tiger won. Second place was Woody Austin. Third place was Ernie Els, Aaron Olberhoser, John Senden, Simon Dyson, Trevor Immelman, Jeff Ogilvie, Kevin Sutherland, Scott Verplank, and Boo Weekly was the top 10 of that tournament. I don't know. Tiger won at minus eight. You fin- if you were finished at plus one, you finished inside the top 10. Like, I don't know what this is going to tell us about what kind of player is going to do well here. I'm not too sure what sort of player is gonna do well there but i wouldn't mind you know like just looking like for deeper futures how about to like the older guys we spoke about flirted at the 100 to one like scott and sergio maybe it's just it's really difficult to parse only because so much has changed in 14 years about like the the quality of the mid-tier type of player that it's kind of tricky. Like, is it going to like, is Tiger going to, is someone going to win at minus, what is he? Minus seven again, minus eight again, or are they just going to be minus 15? Cause that's the way it is now. I always expect one of the like top 15 players in the world to have their ceiling. And that's sometimes why it like can sometimes be a blockade in betting major futures because it's like, I don't know. Do I really want to bet this? One of the really good players is just going to win. Like, what am I doing? What are Scheffler's odds at the U.S. Open? Are we talking PGA or U.S. Open? The PGA. I, I don't know why I keep seeing U.S. Open. PGA. 40. That's Him too, and Fino that's at 40 weird. aren't bad. What do you see for Neiman? At uh, 45. Wish it was like 60. Yeah, me too. I think I think Neiman has a really good year here. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to bring him up for the U.S. Open as well. I think those for I, how do I put how do I put this? Like, there's so much love for Sam Burns, and obviously so. 
and the way he can just he's such a big hitter and his game has a, a nice finesse level to it and the way he can overpower courses Neiman is like 23 years old he's literally becoming that same guy he drives it with DJ I'm not even kidding and he doesn't get that credit so when we go to these long monster U.S. Open PGA Championship type courses um in terms of of what they write on um in terms of what their measurements are i i'm obsessed with with neiman right now i'm just trying to find the other southern hills let's see byunhan ann won the u.s amateur at southern hills in 2009 alex chaco won last year's senior pga championship there retief goosen won the 2001 u.s open at this course i mean alex jake is not a big hitter maybe he is for the senior tour though like that that's really difficult to figure out like a guy who was short hitting and accurate off the tee on the pga tour as a 49 year old does that make him one of the longer hitters on the seniors tour that that's kind of confusing to me sometimes but i mean taylor gooch 150 to one yeah, I don't think I want to put him in the major conversation yet i'm just saying i'm uh just l- low low um cowboy it, it does seem to be i mean if it plays to its historical strengths and the type of players that have won it does seem players who play well at hard courses by and large do really well like this could be a patrick reed spot yeah fina went 40 i'm telling i just it's I'm gonna be sucker. 60 by the time it comes along though that's no not, it won't that's that's not a bet right now Oh, Finau, Scheffler, 40. Paul Casey, but I wish you always need more than, than that. Okay, let's talk U.S. Open then. Because the U.S. Hold on, though. M, M, oh, yeah. M could be value at all of these. Maybe. I mean, that's potentially true. So we have the country club in is it brookline massachusetts yeah see like this is where tim would like just wax poetic about how much he knows right yeah so we don't really have any recent history at this course the last time we saw anything competitive here matthew fitzpatrick won the u.s amateur in 2013 he beat oliver goss i it's not telling us much uh the united states won the Ryder cup 14 and a half to 13 and a half in 1999 the last time it hosted a major was the 1988 u.s open won by nick faldo no sorry won by curtis strange over nick faldo we're gonna really have to dig in on this one at the time i i don't really have any particular leans you just have to know i would assume it's going to be decked out like a usga type course that it's going to play incredibly hard uh, from the t book it says it is a i mean i don't know how the usga is going to set this up but per what they list on like their website it's a par 71 that's seven thousand yards doesn't sound very us opening no and like you pat i i really have zero familiarity um with it at all but i've been told by people who are you know, course snobs to to uh, get excited because it's a a true a true gem. I can see it, and we'll we'll learn more about this course uh, as we get closer to the PGA Championship. I would just say, just play it under the kind of conditions that there are certain types of players that play really well under USGA. Like, what what are Fleetwood's odds for the U.S. Open? I bet you they're not. They're probably like fifty to one. 
Like we're, yeah, we're, I'm we're not seeing getting... a fifty to sixty six is like the the yeah. price range. We're just not getting a break on him at all, are we? Even though he's been garbage. No, Neiman sixty six. Yeah. Uh, Leishman obviously... maybe. Yeah, Leishman's a beast at these. I'm seeing a seventy for Leishman. Your boy Woodlands an eighty. Uh, Coke rack eighty. This was the major I got confused at earlier because I mentioned M was eighty at a major. It is this one. Yeah, I don't know I enough. Don't, of, I don't know enough about it yet to start taking blind shots at it. But we can yeah. talk about like the- Corey Connors is eighty, but you said he's two hundredth in the world around the greens. But maybe he could just do what Woodland did at the U.S. Open and just luck sack everything. Yeah, I would be. Maybe they do have official yardage at U.S. Open twenty twenty two. Golf scorecard. See if they have anything up for that. Because if it is one of these shorter U.S. Opens, although when Woodland won, you know it was like Brooks and Rom were up there with him and like Hovland. If it's a shorter U.S. Open, I'd bet like answer at seventy to one. That's what I'm saying. Like Connor's an answer. Like that type of player gets a bit more live. I think answer is and as you pointed even reed if it's shorter too even though he's shorter on the price i would price go the other point. way reed plays longer courses longer hard courses better for reasons yeah. just because that smith cam smith would be cam smith's a very reed ish uh in the way that he plays i find honestly yeah, like there's so many guys if you tell me it's a short u.s open like let's go where's webb simpson's number yeah, but I I don't feel like it ever works out that way. Not that we see a ton of short U.S. Open courses, but like Phil just won the major that was on the longest course ever. So who cares what the card says? Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, the USGA hasn't updated their site from Tory Pines yet, so that's uh, that's not doing us any good. Let's talk about St Andrews because this is fun. It feels special when the Open Championship, although it's not my favorite Open Championship course, it's kind of land to tell you the truth uh i find that the ones that are more impacted by wind or that are like directly on the coast or at big dune bunkers i just find those more exciting now i'm very snobbish i love the masters but i have the most fun watching the open championship every single year because it always feels like anyone can win the open championship the problem is i don't feel like that's the case at st andrews yeah i'm trying to think like that's where Louis won by four over Casey. Zach Johnson beat out Leishman and yeah, Louis won by four, but he was up like nine. Yes, like he coasted in the final round. But he then Louis locked. Did, did Louis lose into that playoff to Zach Johnson the next time around in 2015? Last time, I believe the one it, that like day day Spieth like some guys just missed it d- too. Day, right? day and Spieth missed the playoff on the number. Leishman was so yeah, Louis playoff. and Leishman I think. Yeah, it was Louis and Leishman were in that playoff like. And then it was Louis on a Monday, Louis over Casey. And then Tiger won the two times before that. And like, even when you go down the list, like, yes, John Daly won here back when him bombing, it was such an advantage, but even to go back through time, Faldo, Seve, Jack, Jack, like generally speaking, the elite of the elite win at St. Andrews. Yeah. It's, it's hard to, to figure because it does feel like a course pat that sort of lends itself to anyone like, anyone where the field is wide open where burn Viesberger at like 180 to one it just feels like um like sets up for those guys also in some respect you'd think you'd think that it would 
but that's just not what we've seen. Like, even the year that Louis won, I, man, Casey really took a tank in that final round. It was Louis, Westwood, Rory, Stenson, Casey. Those were the tops. And those were all elite. Louis came out of nowhere, but he wasn't a nobody. He was just a nobody to most of the international scene. He's not the Louis that we know now. This was sort of his coming out party on the international stage. But he was a good player. But Westwood, Rory, Stenson, and Casey were like the best players in the world at the time. Like, so it's hard to find trouble there. Yes. So Louis, Louis everyone is just strokes. in the fairway and, you know, flicking their irons. And that's all, that's all Zach did. And then he made his putts. That was it. So, like, does Abe answer perform in the wind? I mean, Neiman does. I know that. And just even, like, I just read you off the top ten from the Louis year. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Each of the seven top players were all non-American players. Only two of the top ten were American. In the Zach Johnson year, he won, Spieth finished out, and someone named... Nye Bruges ended up finishing at minus 11, who I don't remember that at all. But there was only three Americans inside the top 10 that year, too. So it's a, maybe it's a bit more open to the rest of the world for reasons, which I don't know. I mean, know. I would say Sergio's 100 to 1 to win the PGA, but he's 50 to 1 to win the, uh, the Open. I could, I could see that. Could be a nice, like, last spot for Rose. Will it, maybe? We've seen him still perform really well in England. So I, I think that those guys are more on the table than you'd think. Remember when everyone when everyone basically just into the claret jug just sketched in Dustin Johnson after 36 holes in 2015? Yeah, and then there was like a no-win Saturday, and he just got like he just shot the bed. Um, but would golf just break? Like would people break if Bryson just evaporated St. Andrews? I would love it. I would love Bryson. I mean, we have. It's funny that we've gotten to a hour and fifteen in this episode, and we haven't talked about Bryson, who is easily the most entertaining product the PGA Tour has. I would love it. I would absolutely love it if he destroyed St. Andrews. Like all-time scoring record, driving greens, getting insane rollouts. Oh yeah, and not only would like British fans be super triggered about it, people hate Bryson enough that everyone would be triggered about it. And it would be amazing. I would be here for it. I don't know. Rom could do the same thing, though. Yeah, but Rom, I mean, people would be happy for Rom. Like, people would expect Rom to do it. People would just be so mad if Bryson did it. Yeah. Yeah. Like him trying to, I, like, I'm here for it. Him trying to fly the burn on one or something, like trying to drive the green or something stupid like that. I mean, I guess, like, just to go backwards, do you think Bryson will have learned anything from, like, his last year's Masters, or he's going to just completely try to do it again? I mean, he made a ton of birdies at last year's Masters. And he, yeah, they not, lost a ball. No, they lost a ball. ball that was, like, two two feet off the fairway. So it felt like he, I mean, he came into it with a pretty arrogant attitude the last two times. I think he'll be humbled a little bit, but I think that he has the right strategy at Augusta. It's a lot like your Chargers on fourth down. They have the right idea. They just need to execute. And if Bryson can execute at Augusta, I think he's going to be fine. Yeah, of course. I'm convinced he's going to win a Masters. Like, I, it's not a bold take to say Bryson's going to win a big event, but like one of the next couple. Bryson doing anything and making everyone upset is just the, I just hooked that into my veins for this PGA season. I'm always here for it. We're Team Bryson. Team Bryson, Team Reed on this show. Probably the only one you're going to find I will out say, there. <laughs> I don't know why. My least favorite really good golfer at the moment, Can't though, 
No, I don't even mind Cantlay. I don't know what happened. Like uh, Justin Thomas, I feel like it's really so boring. Doesn't do anything for me. Yeah, I, I mean, I just think Justin Thomas is really good. It's just overall skill wise. Yeah, he's got a putt when he putts. Yeah, he wins. You know. There's, there's just something about Cantley. I look at him and like he's won me money. He's been very good to my bank account. One of my most profitable golfers ever, Patrick Cantley. Just I look at him like, man, I don't want to root for this guy. He's so if you do so, have money again, he's so boring him. and he's so slow. And it's like, oh man, just hurry up and do something. And he puts that like sticks his tongue out like this when the ball's in the air. Like, eh. Yeah, you got to find little reasons to hate people. This is what I'm doing. I don't hate he's him. He's got a very life. like punchable face. If he's if he's the guy you're you're fighting with down the stretch, it's true. And I know something about having very punchable faces. People have told <laughs> me this my entire life, and then punch me in the face. So, I mean, I have a very punchable face. It's a very annoying face, especially with the voice that I have and the, the loudness that emanates from my mouth at the same time. Man, there's just something about him I don't like. I don't get it. And the fact that I become a Speed fan after all these years. Yeah, I don't hate speed nearly as much. Although I found only when we get to major weeks do I not like speed. But I just, I don't know. Because I bet these cards full of guys who have never won majors. So obviously, like, oh, what's someone else I really like? Well, who I like, period, um, when you don't need any more. That's fair. All right, I think that will do it. Any final thoughts about the upcoming PGAs? I mean, we're going to be talking about Tournament of Champions pretty soon anyway. So what do you got? No, no final um, thoughts. It's just like a whirlwind, Pat. Like, to me, like, how much has changed, like, since we started doing this? And I encourage everybody who's out there, uh, you'll get a lot of messages on on what to do. I, I don't think I have the best advice. I would just say, like, what makes you you, what makes you different would be your edge. Like, that. that is really the advice that's worked um for me and it's so like weird when people say i'm starting a golf like been watching you guys for years and i'm finally decided deciding to start something like that's so weird that's such a trip for me and it still happens and it still trips me out no matter how many times i get that message so it's flattering and and weird because i don't i don't know i'm just think i'm just a guy it's talking this will be your no more than you. This will be like year eight of us doing this show, which is completely insane. Uh, and there are so many different golf shows. So many really good different golf shows that are out there right now. The space has really become flooded with a lot of really good talent. I guess the one thing I would say about it is, listen, like no one comes to, I mean, people tail you and they win. Uh, sometimes they tail me and they win, but like we're not professional golf bettors. We're people who like to bet on golf and like talking about betting on golf in the one thing you need to remember if you're going to get into this space and start a podcast or do whatever, you want to give out good information. Information is key. Don't give out bad information or wrong information. The picks, you hope that they're good. There are certain people like, I, I'll, I get messages, and I'm probably sure you do too, Jeff, from people that will say like, oh, you know, I won so many units this year. Like, I hit so many winners this year. No one gives a shit how much you win on a podcast at all. You want to leverage your winning picks into money? Bet the picks and win money. Sell a, a newsletter where you just send people picks that win. If you're going to start a podcast, have something interesting to say. People can go find winners anywhere. They can go click a site that they pay for $10 a month to see a list of five names that they have to bet on. If that's 
all they're really concerned about. If people are listening to a podcast, they're concerned with more than just, they want to win, but they're concerned, concerned more about having an entertaining product and hear people discussing what's going on in golf. At least that's how I've always tried to operate. When I see the most successful shows in this space, they all follow that same template. Some people are sharp. When you have me, some people are dull, but we're trying to make it entertaining. It's not like, here are my bets for the week. Point three eight units on Bryson DeChambeau to win at plus 17. I shopped around on the site and because of this, this, and this, like have your reasons, have your picks, but if you're not going to you know, actually do a show, don't have a fucking podcast. That is, I would say very well said, Pat. Um, that is very well said. Also, it's like weird. It's a trip. You, you can't never win, but people don't, care like if you win now you've got to win enough where they like you but i'll admit like i had a very like funny moment that i was laughing about myself the other day like i thought the day after will it won the masters pat like espn would be calling me <laughs> i i did not live under they those didn't even care about it in the place we worked <laughs> they did. it was like well you no, they, I mean? they like, did realize quick they did Sorry, care because everyone at the office won that bet too, and everyone was pumped, except for Gary and who didn't bet it. Yeah, but but do you know what I mean? Like no one cares. Like, yeah, no one, no one cares. I guess you got to be good. You got to be good enough. You got to be entertaining. No one. If you doesn't. If you don't win every week, it's irrelevant. You know, you got to win enough where people will tune back in and and care what you have to say. But I get this a lot too. And I think this is a great strategy. So people say, um, like, they'll list me like seven people who we all know and we're all like fans of and we read their stuff. Like, I look at your like six guys' picks, I see who you all picked. And then from that, I make my own card. I mean, I'm, I reply, that sounds like an amazing strategy. That's a really good strategy. And honestly, like, don't follow anyone's picks. It's fucking golf betting. No one is doing this professionally. The people that do this professionally play top 20s and head-to-heads, which are not fun to bet. They are there to maximize yes, what you are exactly. doing. Like, Pizzola bets golf. Not often, but when he does, it's because his model spits him out something that is so outrageous that he's going to throw a huge chunk of money on it and take advantage of that little edge that he has. I have no And it's a head-to-head. It yeah, it's a head-to-head. -head. And a, it's a head-to-head. -head. And I'll yeah. ask Paul. Uh, sorry, not a... Uh, we'll go to a course that uh, they've never been to before for a major. And I'll be like, Pozzola, who you betting? He goes, I don't have a single bet. I don't have an ounce of data. And I'm like, but it's the, the, the PGA championship. I don't give a shit. Bah, bah, bah. And I'm not even making fun of Rob. I'm saying like, I'm impressed by that like discipline, but that just shows you where like, no, they don't have data. They're not like making it. They don't care. Um, they realize the like we all do the variables in hitting an outright golfer. Does it take some level of skill, Pat, for us to sit here and say that guy is 60 to one, we're picking him to win. And then he comes in third place and like, he played well, we had a vibe. He would play well winning. There's just so much luck in winning. Like it takes skill to say he'll play well to say he's going to win is all luck, like 90% luck. Identifying he's going to play well, yes. Winning, luck. 
And the whole point of making the bets on these shows, I mean, I want to win money, obviously. I I would much prefer to win than to lose, but it's all a part of the community is a part of it, too. If, like, people tail our bets or we're all on the same guy, we can sit down. Like, it's a four-day experience. It's better than going to the movies, and by the end of the week, it's cheaper than if you went to (laughs) eight hours of movies. That we can sit there on a Sunday afternoon. If our guys win, we can all celebrate together, and the next day is super fun. Like, that's the part of the content that I think that resonates with people rather than just picking winners and losers. And there are so many lanes in golf, like choose your own adventure. If you like the head to heads, if those work for you, uh, you know, do it. The DFS angle, whether that be the, the showdown or the, 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 the full week, I like doing outrights as we've discussed. It's probably not the most prudent way I've gotten more lucky. Um, I've gotten like, I literally acknowledge like there's a majority of luck that goes into it. And I can just know that I meet my quota. I'm fine. I trust myself to meet my quota. But do not kid yourself. It comes with an acceptance that there might be like two whole freaking months. I don't hit a bet. And I've got to be able to take that on the chin. Like I've got to accept that's going to happen when I bankroll an entire golf season. Agreed. Well, that will do it on the Pat Mayo experience. The intro to 2022 golf season of course we're going to have shows every single week for both betting and DraftKings and updates and i'll have all my articles up on dk nation jeff will be up on odds checker i'll have an article in golf digest i'll have my stuff on pga tour we're going to be everywhere and more places than you think this golf season so follow jeff on twitter at gfeinberg17 follow myself at the PME, sub to the Mayo Media newsletter. You can go to Substack, type in Mayo Media, or just hit the description and go do that. The one and done, fantasygolfchampionships.com. Go get your entry right now. And fantasynational.com slash Mayo to get yourself 20% off. Smash the like on the way out. Sub to the network. We'll see you next year. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.